Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. It's such an honor to have you joining with us, whether you're on Facebook Live or YouTube or a podcast. It's always a joy to gather. Hey, if you're new to City Church, you can text the word new to the number on the screen, and we would love to help you get connected in community, help you take some next steps, and connect with you in any, any way that's helpful to you in this season. Now, I know that the video you just watched was super weird, and that was on purpose because I asked our tech team to throw that in as a throwback from a series that we did two years ago almost as we launched City Church. We did this series uh, called Have You Ever Seen a Purple Cow? And it was built off of this book by Seth Godin. And, and I'll just ask the question to kind of bring you up to speed. Have you personally ever seen a purple cow? Right, odds are you probably haven't, but you've probably seen a lot of normal cows in your lifetime, right? So I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that you're driving down some nice backcountry road, and there's winding and hilly, and there's all these cows, right? Black and white cows. And, and the reality is you've seen one cow, you've seen them all, right? I mean, there's nothing spectacular going on. So you see one cow like, wow, look at all the cows, and you just kind of tune out. But then imagine you roll over the hill, and at the top of one of the hills, in the middle of all the black and white cows and brown cows and black cows, there is a purple cow. What do you do? First of all, you like double take and then maybe triple take because your eyes are, are just bugging out on you. And you're like, no way. You stop the car immediately. You jump out. You grab every device you can. You're taking pictures and videos. And if you're smart, you're doing everything you can to load that cow up into your vehicle so you can sell it on eBay. I mean, it's a big deal, right? I mean, if you found a purple cow, that would be what? That would be truly remarkable. Because normal cows, right? What, I mean, we see them all the time. But a purple cow would be truly remarkable. The premise of Seth Godin's book and, and the whole idea behind our series was what would it take to be a part of a truly remarkable church, right? Like, like and, and you can put this in any category of organizations, right? Like a lot of uh, other cows, right? There's just, they all kind of fit in. And so all these other churches, what makes your church stand out? What would it look like to be a part of a truly remarkable church or to be a part of a truly remarkable organization if you're not using it in the context of church? Now, here's what Seth Godin says about the purple cow concept. He says that remarkable products, truly remarkable products or organizations, they are often controversial and outrageous. And, and the second that I, I heard that, he, then he asked the question. He said, what would a really controversial and outver uh, outrageous version of your product look like or your organization look like? And I was like, well, the good news is, like, that's Jesus in a nutshell, right? Like, Jesus was just controversial and outrageous in the way that he loved, in the way that he lived, in the way that he served, in the people that he included in his life, the things that he did. He didn't fit into anyone's box, and it was amazing. The way that he loved was truly remarkable. Now, you transition this and you push it forward. You say, okay, what does it look like to be a part of a truly remarkable 
church. Well, Jesus starts the church, right? Je- the church is like Jesus' idea, in case you didn't know. Uh, and, and the problem with, with church is, is that we have an idea. When we think of church in the Western culture, there's this mindset created that when we hear the word church, we immediately think of a location. We typically have geographical uh, uh, data that, that points us to four walls and a place that you gather, which is, which is cool, but that's actually not at all what Jesus was, was intending when he used the word church. The word church in the Greek is ekklesia. It literally means ga- a gathering of people that are there for a specific purpose. And so it has very little to do with a location and has way more to do with a movement of people. And so Jesus said, hey, I'm going to start my church. And there's one thing that my church is going to be characterized by. There's one thing that's going to distinguish it in the world. There's one thing that's going to make it stand out. It's going to be this purple cow, if you will. And, and sure enough, when the church launches, it turns into such a movement that the book of Acts records it as so disruptive, so outrageous, so controversial in all the right ways that these guys were like turning the world upside down. And Jesus said, this is the one thing that's going to make all the difference when it comes to being a part of a truly remarkable church. Check this out in verse 34 of John chapter 13. Jesus said, a new command I'm giving to you, that you love one another. You're like, cool. Yeah, like golden rule. Let's do that. No, no, no. Listen, listen to what he says. Love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Whoa, hold on, hold on. Because how did Jesus love? You know the problem with, with, with our love and the Western idea of love and, and the love of Jesus? Our love is very transactional, right? Like, I'm going to love you when you love me, and I'm going to withhold love if you don't deserve it. And we have a very transactional culture when it comes to love. But you know what? Jesus didn't love in a transactional manner. His love was sacrificial. It was no matter, no matter what your performance and your behavior or no matter what you're doing, whether you merit it or not, I'm going to love you anyway. He said, you need to love one another like I have loved you. By this, check this out, by this, all people, the whole world will know that you're my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. He said, the whole world is going to know. The whole world is going to take notice that you're my followers by this one singular idea. So you got to ask the question. Man, can you and I love like that? You're like, ah, oh, I, I don't know. Let, let's, let's talk about it. Honestly, guys, this is, this is so challenging because what Jesus is inviting us into, quite frankly, it's supernatural. It's beyond us. I mean, I mean it's so outside of our ability and capacity. Now, imagine, imagine a, a community of people coming together and living and loving in such a way that they look just like Jesus. Imagine a community of people coming together and loving in a sacrificial way, day in and day out, week in and week out. And that is the invitation of Jesus. He says, you want to know what's going to be truly remarkable in the world? When you abandon sacrificial love, I'm sorry, uh, uh, transactional love, and you embrace sacrificial love. He said, the whole world is going to take notice. That's going to be amazing and truly remarkable. You know what the problem is? For a lot of people, they hear the word church, they hear the idea of church, and immediately there, there's like this religious like, like reference and paradigm that, that sits in over our minds. And this, this might be you. When you think of, of church, you, you have this religious category of like a business transaction. It's, it's like the least amount I can put in and the most out. One of my friends I was talking to this week, and he was like, you know, for my family, we just like would go to church on the weekends, and it literally affected nothing else ever. Like, like there was no, nothing happening ever except for attend for an hour and leave. 
right? There's this business transaction idea of church where you just show up, least amount in, most out of it. Hopefully I'm scoring some good points with the big man upstairs. But that's not what Jesus invites us into. He invites us into relationship, not religion. And part of that relationship is in the dynamic of family. What does family do? Family doesn't show up and say, what can I, the least in, the most out. Family says, how can I contribute? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I be a part of this? And the love of Jesus here, it doesn't look for loopholes like a transactional love does. I want you to imagine this outrageous love active in your life and active in the community around you. And then imagine a city that you're placed in. Imagine Boulder, Colorado, that's looking on at the community at City Church, and, and they could still be critical of our beliefs, right? You might have some friends and family, neighbors, coworkers that look on and say, I, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I believe everything they believe, but man, the way that they love, I mean, I, there's something going on there. Imagine a world that could still be critical of our beliefs, but is envious of our love. That is the invitation from Jesus when it comes to community. And listen, guys, you know this. The world is watching. Maybe for you, you've been watching. You're making your decisions about Jesus and church because you've been watching, and there's this internal dialogue and this internal question on your mind consistently. And it's this. Are those people smoking what they're selling? Right? Do they actually believe it? Are they actually living it out? And you know the problem most people run into? Is the answer is No. They don't live and love and serve like that. Francis Chan articulates it this way. He said, man, in many cases, what's really sad is that gangs in urban contexts look more like family than the local church does. Right, think about it. Why, why, is, why is gang life so attractive in an urban context? You take all these kids who have no family, they have no support, they have no, no, no structure around them for love and, and, and uh, community, and, and then gang pops in. What's the, what's the attraction? It's not the violence. It's not substance abuse or any of those. What, what, what is it? It's that gang functions like family, right? Gang is there for you. Gang has your back. And Francis Chan says, man, there, there's a lot of churches that, that gang looks better than they do when it comes to the family concept. Now, let's flip this. Imagine. Imagine if people started to treat gang like, like some of our, our, our our, our current people treat um, church in the Western culture. Right? Imagine, hey, hey, how was gang this week? Oh, you know, you know um, we, we were running a little late, and so we, we, we only caught like, you know, we were only there for like half a gang, but what we, what we God was pretty good from gang. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, hey, you, are you going to gang this week? Oh, you know, man, uh, you know, we, we're going to be in the mountains, and so like uh, we probably won't catch gang this week, but you know, we'll, we'll see you at gang probably in a month or so. Or like, oh, hey, man, you, you, did you catch gang this week? How, how was it? Oh, you know, like I, I slept in and I, I didn't make it, but I'm going to catch gang on the podcast this week. It's going to be great. Right? Like, how weird is that, right? Well, why is that weird? Be, because family is not something that you attend. You know this. Family is not something you attend. It's a place that you belong. It's where life happens together. And so this is the invitation from Jesus. This is that truly more remarkable, amazing love that he's inviting us into. And so here's my invitation for you. No matter where you are tuning in on this online platform, I want to invite you. Welcome to gang, okay? You're invited. You're invited. Now, let, let, let's talk about this relationship for a second because this really, really matters. The entire New Testament, the life of Jesus and all the books in the New Testament, all the historical data that we have, there's not one point in the entire New Testament that knows anything about following Jesus separate from community. 
You can't find it. It's always connected to community. So we're going to talk about the value of community today. But listen, but before we do that, I need you to hear me. Because as we start to dream about a remarkable church, as we start to dream about just being uh, in this incredible community, loving one another like Jesus loved us and, and, and loving the world around us, I mean, that's exciting stuff. But I need you to hear me on this. This church, City Church, cannot change your life. No matter how, how, how remarkable things become, this church cannot change your life. Religion cannot change your life. Only Jesus can change your life. So I just want to, want to get it from the start, right? That the, the dynamic, what Jesus invites us into, our capacity to love others like he loved us, it's not possible outside of a relationship with God. And so Jesus invites us first into a relationship with God by trusting in him, believing that he was who he said he was and he can do in our lives what he said he would do. That he, would, he, he was crucified on a cross in our place for our sin. That he was buried. That he rose again in three days, a resurrection from the dead to make us right with God, to forgive us of sin, and to make us completely new. Okay, but, but here's the reality. Let, let, me, let me show you specifically what Jesus invites us into so you can really get your hands on it. John chapter 1, look at this. This is amazing. But to all who believed, just what we were talking about, to all, every single individual who believes in Jesus and accepts him, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, tells us that in that moment, when you and I choose to follow Jesus, to ask him to save us and set us free, he gives us the right to become children of God. That word right is, is a, a, a judicial term. It, it literally means to grant liberty or authority. So let me help you understand this context a little better. This is a picture of two of our staff members. This is Daniel and Michelle Hessler. And this is the day that they had the privilege of adopting two of their little girls. And what's amazing is, is Daniel and Michelle did foster care for a while, and they would have lots of kids in and out of their homes, and then they had the opportunity in this scenario to adopt these two little girls right here, Abigail and Addison. And they're way bigger than that now. They're super cute in this picture. They're still cute today. Um, but, you know, it's really cool to look back. And, and in this moment, the judge in this room, the day that they adopted uh, um, Abigail and Addison, the judge in this room made a declaration that these two little girls have the right to be called children of Daniel and Michelle Hessler. It means that they're not subpar, they're not secondary to the family. Everything that belongs to Daniel and Michelle belongs to these two little girls. Everything that they have access to, these two little girls now have access to. Now, this is what, what John is telling us about Jesus. The moment that we choose to follow Jesus, the moment we choose to trust Jesus with our lives, we are then called sons or daughters of God. We are adopted into the family of God. We are given the right to be a part of the family of God. Here's what that means. That everything that belongs to him belongs to me, and it belongs to you. I mean, this is amazing. Watch how uh, in, in Romans 8, Paul says it. He says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Some people, man, when they hear about a relationship with God and they think about Jesus, their mind goes to fear. But Jesus said, man, no, it's, it's way better than that. Instead, it's not fear. You, you receive God's spirit when, he, when you're adopted as his own uh, children. And, and now we call him, listen, Abba, Father. That word, it's a term of endearment. It means daddy. I mean, we're talking about close relationship. And this is amazing. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, to give us confidence that we are God's children, that everything that Jesus had access to through the Father, we have access to. 
all the power to live the life that Jesus invites us to live. The ability to love one another like, like Jesus loved us is made accessible the moment we trust in Jesus. We're given the right. Here's what this means. Following Jesus means that you belong to the family of God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, you belong to the family of God. If you're thinking about it, this is, this is part of it. And I need you to hear me. You don't work your way in, right? Your status in the family is solely dependent on your position and not your performance. It's what Jesus did for you and your decision to trust in him. The problem is we get excited about the idea of being children of God. We get excited about the idea of being adopted into God's family and having access to everything that God has until we hear that God's got other kids, Right? There's some people that are like, oh, dang, like I was really looking forward to that like solo kid life. Like I want to be an only child. I didn't know that 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 was part of the deal. There's some people that really struggle. They really get stuck and they're like, man, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I love God. It's great. But I'm just not sure how I feel about his family. Like I I don't know if I want anything to do with them. That's so weird. Think about it in the context of a marriage. If you get married, the two of you become family right? But not only do the two of you become family, but what happens? There's also a few other people a part of the deal, right? (laughs) On both sides of that relationship, there's a few people that are included in that relationship, right? You, You don't get to choose whether you like it or not. You get more family as a result of that relationship. It's the same invitation from Jesus. What that means is if you made a decision to follow Jesus, not only are you a part of the family of God, but that means you got me, you're welcome, right? You're like, oh, man, like, I, I didn't know that was a part of the deal. I should have read the fine print, right? Listen, it's, it's, it's really a, a, amazing, but here's the problem. The reason that people struggle with this is because they've had negative experiences with God's family in the past. And listen, if that's you, I, I just want to say I get it. I totally get it. Uh, but l- let, me, let me just challenge you a little bit, okay? Just because you have a neg- negative experience in the past, it doesn't mean that it dismantles the entire capacity for something in the future. Like, like, think about it. Let's just say that you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Just because you had a dysfunctional family growing up, does that mean that you can never have a healthy family in the future? Absolutely not. No, actually, it means that you fight for that, right? In the same way, just because you have a negative experience in the past, no matter what, how, how painful it is, man, I, I, I totally get it. But it doesn't mean that there's not hope for a healthy family in the future. And listen, at City Church, we're not, we're not claiming to be perfect, right? We're not inviting you into a community where we're never going to hurt your feelings. Honestly, listen, you, you hang out with me long enough, I, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm, I'm going to do something stupid or say something stupid. I mean, just ask my wife, Danielle. I mean, I mean she'll, she'll let you know, right? There's, there's plenty that you're getting with me. And you're not invited into perfect community. You're invited into community together with Jesus and one another, recognizing we're not perfect, but, man, we're committed to one another. And so I want you to think about it. You and I will never know the best that God has for us apart from a relationship with God as Father and his family. That's the invitation from Jesus. Last week I introduced a definition of humility. I said that humility is very simply acknowledging or praying, God, I I need you. But humility is also saying, I need others too. That's the invitation. Let me give you a vision because because as we 
think about what it looks like to be a part of a truly remarkable church. I want you to have a vision of what could be. Check this out, John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus says this, if you love me, I'm sorry, uh, uh, John 15, 12, this is my command. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, this is a bookend. I introduced John 13 on the front end, right, of, of Jesus saying the exact same thing. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Right, right, right before this, in John 14, what I was just reading you, Jesus said, hey, if you love me, obey my commands, meaning the overflow, the, the, the motive is love. Out of our relationship with Jesus, the motive is that I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to obey him. And so on both ends of this statement, Jesus said, hey, I want you to love each other like I have loved you. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 we got it, Jesus, cool. He's like, okay, so if you love me, you're going to obey me, right? Yeah, 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 we love you, Jesus, we're going to obey you. Okay, if you love me, you're going to obey me. Jesus says it five different times between John 13 and John 15. And everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, we love you, we're going to obey you. Okay, you got it? Yeah, we, we're, we're with you, Jesus, okay. This is my command. You want to you love me and obey me? You want to follow me? You want to get it right? This is it. Jesus is building a really simple invitation. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Jesus makes it so simple. Out of the overflow of your relationship with God, you're going to love one another. You're going to love God, and you're going to love people. Here's why this is important. Because the first obvious external evidence of my internal relationship with God is the way that I love the people around me. One of Jesus' closest friends, his name was John, he said, it's really inconsistent when we say that we love God who we can't see, and then we don't love the people in front of us that we can see. So that's not how it works. And the rest of the world would agree, right? So let me, let me, let me challenge you for a second. How are we going to love each other like Jesus loved us? How are we going to move from transactional love to sacrificial love? Because, I mean, this is hard, right? But, but here, here, here's the invitation. Because of God's love for me, because of God's love working in and through me, it means that I can show up and love you, and I don't need anything back from you. Transactional love says that I'll love you as long as you love me or you meet my needs or you do whatever I need you to do. But sacrificial love says that I can love you regardless of what you're doing. So what that means is that I don't have to show up in expectation of your love for me. Imagine a community like this where people are showing up in community and rather than an expectation to get, they're showing up to give. They're not consumers, they're contributors. That this is not transactional. I'm showing up to, to let the love of Jesus, the sacrificial love to flow out of me. I'm going to show Show up. I'm going to love. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to challenge. I'm going to call up. I'm going to step out. Regardless of what I'm receiving from you, I'm going to love you because it's the love of Jesus working in and through me. And I'm going to trust Jesus to fill the gaps in my heart, my mind, and my soul if my needs aren't being met. But you know what's amazing? If you and I embrace this kind of love, sacrificial love, not transactional love, if we embrace this sacrificial love, imagine a community of people coming together on the weekends in our, in our large groups and in our city groups all over the city. Imagine people getting together, showing up with sacrificial love. You know what's going to happen? Just the natural overflow. When I don't show up for myself, you know what God's going to do? He's going to use the love of other people. He's going to be pouring his love and his grace out through other people into my life anyway. Even though I didn't show up for it, I'm going to get it anyway. Isn't that amazing? When I don't show up for myself, God's still going to meet me in that space. 
right? This is the invitation from Jesus. This is the purple cow, OG, truly remarkable invitation. This crazy, stick with it, fight for it, make it right, forgive, be honest, have hard conversations, late nights, early mornings, sacrificials, highs, lows, 3 a.m. friends kind of love. Imagine, imagine a community of people loving and serving one another in that way. You know what the world needs right now? A fresh experience of the love of God through the people of God. Imagine your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family still being critical of what you believe, but envious of your love. You see, Paul called the church the body. The body. How do you know that I'm real? How do you know that I'm real? It's because I have a body, right? It's how you know that I'm real. Let me ask you a question. How does the world know that God is real? They've got to see his body. That's the invitation that people look on and they say, man, there must be something to this Jesus thing because it's like I can see him in them. Let me show you 1 John chapter 4. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So I gave you a, a vision. Man, would you, would you be a part of helping us be, see, see a truly remarkable church continue to grow? I'm going to invite Daniel up. I gave you a vision. Now I want to give you a verb, okay? I gave you a vision. I'm going to give you a verb. Check it out. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, all the believers, this is right when the crazy, amazing, sacrificial, loving church launched. All the believers, all the followers of Jesus, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, that's the family, that's gathering together, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, except for during COVID, and, uh, and to prayer. Check this out, and he goes on in verse 46, and he says, that they worshiped together at the temple. That's the, the average day expression of our weekend gatherings. And each day, uh, uh, they, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That's the average, that's the today's expression of our city groups every week. They gathered together, they met in homes, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. That's the favor in the city around them. And each day, the overflow of their relationship with God and their relationship with one another is that God was adding to their fellowship, their family, those who were being saved. More and more people were coming into the family of God because the family of God was doing what it was always supposed to be doing, loving one another like Jesus loved them. You know the verb that I want to give you? The, the verb that we see in Acts chapter 2 is devoted. They were devoted. What that means is, man, they just kept showing up. There wasn't a program. They didn't have it all figured out. Listen, we have weekends and groups. We gather on the weekends. We have city groups all across our city, and we invite you into that community. It's weekends and groups and weekends and groups. And through those expressions, we're gathering together to love one another like Jesus loved us. And sometimes, man, the, the biggest fight is just showing up. So can I encourage you to take a step in that direction? Let me, let me ask you a question. Why, why is this such a big deal? Because you and I will never know God's best for us and for our families apart from community. 
This is, listen, we believe in city groups so much that, that if you only have one time slot to give a week, we would say, hey, don't come to a weekend gathering. Go to a city group. Community is that important, face-to-face, not shoulder-to-shoulder only. So let me ask you some questions, okay, as we, as we reflect and close. Wherever you are today, listen, you're invited. Like, like, you're invited no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. You're first invited into a relationship with God by trusting in Jesus. You're invited into the family of God by trusting in Jesus. You're invited into this family. You're invited into city groups and into teams and into serving together in whatever way. You're invited into this family. So here's my invitation for you today. Welcome to gang. Come on in. Let's do this thing together. And listen, if you've been plugged into City Church for a while, I just want to say thank you. If you've been serving, thank you. If you've been gathering, thank you. If you've been giving, thank you. And let me, let me just challenge you a little bit. What does it look like to, to grow in our devotion to this thing? Ask yourself this question. How am I showing up when I gather in small group and in large group? Ask this question. If everyone showed up like me, what would our church look like? If everyone served like me, if everyone gave like me, if everyone talked like me, if everyone carried my body language, if everyone carried my spirit, if everyone engaged their neighbors in the same way that I did, if everyone spent time with Jesus like me, what would City Church look like? Because here's the deal. There is no purple cow without you. But I believe that Jesus is creating something truly remarkable and he's just getting started. So let's all take a step in that direction. Let's be devoted to one another. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and, and you've never made that step to trust in him, listen, the best decision you can make with your life is saying, Jesus, I believe in you, that you died for me, that you rose again to adopt me into the family of God and to make me completely new. And that, my friend, starts a journey of not just being a part of a relationship with God, but all the benefits of God's family. So over this next week, let's pray this prayer together. God, what's my next step? Right now, what's my next step? As you sit in that, as soon as you hear what you're supposed to do, do it. We'll see you next week.